Welcome back listeners to a new episode of JCOS Presents Sound Sociology. Today we're going to be looking at how do we measure social class in the United Kingdom. Social class is an abstract concept as we've looked at over the last previous episodes. Depending on what sociological perspective you're looking at it from, it can mean anything from a justified social inequality, which helps promote meritocracy, to a legitimate way to reinforce exploitation, depending from a Marxist point of view. But today we want to try and pin down exactly how is social class measured in the United Kingdom. Often social class has lots of connotations around how much money you make, what type of job do you do, and then has the life chances that influence that. And sociology takes all of that into play when understanding how we measure social class. In the United Kingdom, we've had two different ways of measuring social class. We've had the Registrar General, which ran from 1911 through to 1998. And we had uh, the National Statistics of Socioeconomic Classification, which took over in 1999, and we still use to this day. In this episode, we're going to outline what both of these systems uh, try to do in terms of measuring social class and some of the pitfalls with it. So we have to take our minds back to how do we measure social class and the UK government has one type of barometer and that is your job your occupation what you do for a living because your occupation is neatly tied up with pay social status and life chances all of this helps to determine what kind of life you could be leading Now, the Registrar General was created in 1911 and it classified people into one of two types of jobs. Manual, where you were maybe working with your hands and there was some kind of physical effort put into your job. And within these manual jobs, they could be skilled, they could be semi-skilled or they could be unskilled. Now, old school thinking with suggest to us that manual type jobs are seen as working class and that's what the registrar general did non-manual jobs require no physical effort they're seen as more skilled to an extent therefore you could be a skilled non-manual worker or you could be a professional occupation therefore seeing yourself more in the middle classes If you need a textbook to kind of help you to have a look at this, I would suggest using the page 266 of AQA GCSE 91 Sociology Student Book by Wilson and Kidd. Um, This provides a really good little uh, basic table of the types of jobs associated. Within this uh, ranking system, you had one, two, three, non-manual, three, manual, four, and then five. Now, this system was not the definitive way in terms of measuring social class because it was wrapped up with lots of problems. And as we moved into the millennium, um, the government of the time thought it was a very much outdated way of looking at class and very much outdated to the extent of seeing how jobs have changed and how people's uh, people's status within a job needs to be uh, considered. So that kind of makes us think about the weaknesses. It doesn't take into consideration the the rank you might have within a job. For example, you might be a teacher, 
but there are different types of teachers. There are heads of departments, there are heads of years, there are assistant heads, deputy heads, head teachers, executive head teachers. Even within that profession, there is a ranking going on. And the same within most other industries. Also, the other problem with the Registrar General is it didn't include um, people who were jobless, people who could be retired or unemployed. It was almost as if the Registrar General forgot about them. One of the biggest problems with the Registrar General comes from a feminist point of view. Uh, And that's because men and unmarried women were allocated to a class dependent on their own occupation. So when a woman did marry, her position was based on her husband's occupation. So for example, that woman might be a lawyer, but her husband might be a refuse collector or a bin man. Her social class will become defined by her husband's. And this became a real issue, especially if we move towards the millennium and towards more modern thinking around um, how we see class and how these things fuse with things like gender. Um, Also, within the Registrar General, it didn't include people who were exceptionally wealthy. It wasn't clear whether people who owned land or maybe even won the lottery should be placed into this particular system. Now, in 1999, uh, at the time, the Labour government brought in a new way of classifying people. Now, it didn't make up for all the problems that were in the Registrar General, but it did try to become more nuanced in the way it understood how we measure social class. Um, It was called the National National Statistics Socio-Economic Classification, or NSEC. NSEC is also based on your occupation, but what it does do is it includes the whole adult population, which means if you were landed gentry, or if you were unemployed, or if you were retired, you fell into a category. The other great benefit of the NSEC system is that it brought into play things like rewards from your jobs. Did you have uh, particularly high pay? Did you have any fringe benefits like having extra health insurance or a company car, uh, job security of it? It also looked at employment status, whether you were an employee or self-employed or an employer. The level of authority also came into play. So as I say, if you were a head of faculty, that would be considered as part of your status or part of your social class um, and not to be lumped under just as a teacher. Um, Again, if you have the textbook, I would suggest looking at page 267 on the book that I just mentioned earlier. Uh, But you can equally find these on the internet. Uh, If you type in the NS-SEC class scale, you'll find a very comprehensive table which shows you the types of jobs which would be there. Now, um, the big benefit from a feminist point of view with NSEC is that it classified um, not based on the gender, but based on whoever was the highest income earner within a household, which then deemed the social class. Now, this is what the government currently use, and it sounds, you know, like it's a definite improvement. But we, even when we start to think about social class, there's a lot more uh, problems that uh, start to be wrapped up with it. Social class, 
from a government point of view, is defined on your occupation, ultimately. But what happens when we apply more wider sociological perspectives, like Bourdieu's ideas of cultural capital? Does going to a particular type of school, does engaging with certain leisure activities, does the people you hang around with have a much more bigger impact on your social class? Recent work on this was done by the BBC in 2013, in which they classified or reclassified social classes instead of from upper, middle and working class or 12345 or 128 under NSEC, but instead into seven distinct social classes. I would really urge you to get onto the internet, Google Great British Class Calculator and have a go for yourself. It starts as factors in those things that I've mentioned. Your leisure interests, your hobbies, the people you hang around with. Do you have any savings? Do you have any property? Social class is not just as simple as saying the economic uh, stability or instability that you have, but it is wrapped up with Bourdieu's ideas of cultural capital and social capital. And it's probably a good point here um, for you to start grounding a lot of today's knowledge into an exam question. So I would urge you to have a go at the following question to ground some of what you have learned from today's episode, plus what you've done in your lesson. Question is, identify one way of measuring social class and explain why this measure is used. For now, I'm going to say happy revision and I'll see you on the next episode of JCOS Presents Sound Sociology. Bye for now.